welcome to Brain Chat. I'm Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, your board-certified neurologist and MS specialist, and my mission is to engage, educate, and empower those affected by MS to become an active part of their healthcare team. Here on Brain Chat, we'll be discussing all things MS, health and wellness, advocacy, and we'll even throw a little bit of music and music therapy in there as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and stay tuned for the next episode. Well, it is a marvelous Monday, my friends, and welcome to Brain Chat. I am the nerdy neurologist, and I am so excited to be here with you guys on this wonderful Monday to talk about MS um, for MS Awareness Month. So I'm very excited to talk about MS Awareness Month um, because, you know, uh, when I first started seeing people living with MS, um, we didn't have a lot of awareness about MS. And so now we're having more events, there are more activities or people are learning, um, and I get to connect with all these amazing uh, MS advocates and wonderful people um, who are just changing the space and really sharing their stories and walking in their truth. We want to thank our sponsors, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, um, for their support for Brain Chat. Okay, so let's go. We have got some amazing guests tonight. I am so excited, you guys. And I know I say that every week, but really this week, I'm really excited. Um, so we have Damian Washington, who is an amazing um, MS advocate. He's an actor. He does rapping. He does videos. He does speaking. He does all the things. Um, so I'm so excited to have him on to share some of his experience. And then we have the amazing Azure Antoinette. She is a storyteller. She is an actress. She is a writer, a poet. She is a communicator. Um, and I've been um, so blessed and honored to work with her on several projects and to work with Damien. So two of my favorite, favorite MS advocates in the house tonight. Let me bring them up to the stream. Oh. Welcome to Brain Chat. <laughs> man, that intro had me going, Doc. Come on, man. <laughs> I was always like, say it. Let's go. A little something, a little something, something here and there. You know, I do a little something, something. But um, uh, all kidding aside, thank you guys so much for uh, spending your time with us on this Monday um, for this episode. And we are going to hop right into it. So so first, you know, let's talk a little bit about your how you came into the MS space, obviously through a diagnosis. Um, but we'll start with Azur. Tell us a little bit about your story about how you were diagnosed with MS. Um, first of all, thanks for having me, Damien. Good to see you. Um, how I came into the MS space, yes, it was a, a diagnosis. I, I feel very prolonged and delayed, but I didn't know what was wrong. I was in my uh, middle 20s and um, I lost my ability to walk. Um, mm. And like just all of a sudden, I was walking to the bank on Hollywood and Vine. I lived in this terrible studio apartment with giant cockroaches that definitely should have been oh. paying roommates wages. They were so <laughs> large. Um, this, of course, is well before I moved to Atlanta and realized that Atlanta is also Jumanji um, and those roaches in Hollywood were Mentos. In not Jumanji. Now. It's, I don't want to talk about it. We don't have that. We can talk about it another time. Um, and I'm walking to the bank and I literally was walking to Chase and my legs just went out entirely. And, and a couple of weeks before that, and actually I don't know how much time it was, I was um, spinning, like physically, violently ill just from looking left or right head up or down. It was, it was, it was, it came out of nowhere. And like I said, I was in my mid twenties. So I didn't understand what it could have been. It all sounded a little bit crazy. Um, and as I'm continuing to kind of immerse myself in this journey now, I can still think back to how much, how many years this started before that. I just didn't realize that it was MS that I was dealing with. I didn't have a diagnosis. So the, the main the main thing was my inability to walk and then what they lovingly refer to as the MS hug, uh, mm, which that does which not I feel like a know, hug. Yeah, I don't know who named it and what kind of pre-trauma, but if someone is embracing you that way and calling it a hug, that feels semantically incorrect. Like, don't hug me, don't ever, you know? So I, and clearly the person who named it has never had one of those, but the doctor was like, what does it feel like? I said, 
you know, how kids have a onesie, like they get a onesie when they're little. It's like I'm wearing the one that I was born in. That, <laughs> that's what it feels like. And they were like, okay, all right. Mm, yeah. Okay. So that was my entry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. The onesie that you were born in. Okay. That yeah. I have never ever heard that. I will add that to my armamentarium of descriptions of um Please. the MS hug or uh the uh the um the symptom onesie. formerly known as banding. So banding, yes. the symptom formerly known as oh. banding, um the oh. MS hug. Very good. All right. Tell us a little bit, Damien, about uh tell us about your journey. Peace, peace, y'all. Everyone watching, thank you, Dr. Williams. Thank you. It's so good to see you. I'm just, you see this just joy running yes. through. Um, Same. I, I am a, I was a guy who was diagnosed about seven years ago. And um, I'm a, as you can see, I'm a high energy person. And I was doing normal high energy things, um, like shooting videos and things like I, I've done about 34 commercials and voiceovers in the past, like 10 years. I've sold you products for years. Uh, <laughs> I make my, awesome. my, my, I make my living blend again until one day I stand out. Um, essentially I was doing a bunch of things like co creating content, making video and was just white. My energy was gone and I'd be on my hands and knees, like sucking wind, like with, doing things that I normally did. And I was like, what, am I dying? What is going on? Is a, um, my wife who's been with me since we were freshmen in college, that's 20 years ago. Um, she, as we're hanging out and, you know, just living our life and, you know, just being around each other, she's like, something's wrong with you, man. I don't know what it is, but you don't hold me the same way when you walk down the street. Um, and that is all the precursor to, um, going to three different doctors, not knowing what it is and eventually learning, going, getting to an ER tech. And that ER tech was like, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Get an MRI. And that MRI was like, oh, this guy, he's totally healthy. He totally has multiple sclerosis. He should get a neurologist and get that checked out. Um, and I got a found a neurologist and then I found a specialist. And, and like I say, yeah. I hit marks and say lines for a living. So eventually those two paths cross. And now I hit marks and say lines on behalf of MS. Beautiful. Yeah. That's also so, that's so funny that you said that too, Damien. Sorry to cut you off, Doc, but mm -mm, uh, an ER doctor diagnosed me too after four county hospitals. Mm. So, so yeah, I hear this theme of both of you talking about difficulty with diagnosis. So what was it? Was it that when you went, did you feel like um, people weren't taking your symptoms seriously or they just literally had no clue or kind of what was the experience there when you were going to these different doctors? Like what what, what was happening? Azure, I'll, I'll get, I'll yeah, get I'll, jump, I'll jump in. Um, it was... It, it, I think it's kind of a confluence of everything you just kind of mentioned. I don't, I don't think there was any knowledge. I, I'm trying to remember the year. I want to say it was maybe 2012 or 2011. So, you know, when I think about it in context of where we were social media wise, WebMD was still pretty king, you know, like, but, but still a mess. You know, and then other than that, like social media spaces, there was not, there wasn't anything. So, you know, like they, they were, they were not able to listen to what I was saying what was wrong and not cut it off at like, oh, you're not having a stroke. You're not having a heart attack. We tested your blood and like, there's a few things you could change, but that doesn't explain the dizziness. It doesn't explain the vomiting. It doesn't explain um, the falling, and then finally my inability to control the bottom half of my body. So mm. they were just like, yeah, you know, you got to rest. And I had one doctor tell me that um, he had seen blackberry thumb really take a dark turn. I had a blackberry at the time. Things were really, things were really good with the BBM. Um, I mean, I, I messaged. I, I thought it was your blackberry. I, everyone was just saying things in my direction. And, um, mm. and my mom is a retired litigator. 
she just kept, you know, saying in Jesus name and you need to get off your Blackberry and you should get some rest and have a ginger ale, um, which was not helpful for anyone. And, um, you know, so it was, it was doctor after doctor, but my mom, my sister finally took me to my mom's house because I couldn't be by myself anymore. I'd fallen down like three or four flights of stairs. Um, and then the dizziness was like really terrifying. So I sat on my sister's couch, literally in the corner for a couple of days. Um, cause she could prop me up literally at the angle where the arm and the couch meet. And then she drove me to my mom's, which was like an hour East, probably two hours in traffic. And we finally, we started going to all the hospitals, all the county hospitals. And they just kept saying like, you look fine. Your tests are good. Call us in a few weeks. Somebody gave me a hope, like a horrific amount of antibiotics. Um, mm, that sent me into what? like a full, um, I'm not sure. Oh, labyrinthitis. That's what it was. They said I had labyrinthitis and inner ear infection was causing the spinning and the vomiting. Um, mm. And the, what was it, azithromycin or something like that made me violently mm. ill. And so I had to go back to the ER for that. So it was a lot of, a lot of disbelief, a lot of saying, well, we ran the test and you look fine. And everybody just sent me home. And so we did mm. that well over, I, it must've, it must've lasted almost two weeks going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you start to just kind of feel like a psycho. So then I just was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 So I don't, I don't know. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much the patient would feel like safe saying anything after that. You know, you go to so many places repetitively and then you still feel, I would wake up every day feeling even worse. Um, and so that really broke my spirit. It broke my heart. I was really scared. And, uh, yeah, it was finally this one ER doctor. He walked in. He was like, sorry, I, I took some time I'm on the the 18th hour of my shift. But based off of the test and what I see, you have MS. And I just was like, right. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Ooh. So so had experiences where you went. Everybody was like, they don't know what's wrong. Um, and then finally somebody, thank goodness, even though they were tired, that they took that yep. time you know, yeah. um, and, and the thing about it is that, that that's what we're supposed to do as healthcare providers. Like that's our job, you know, right. is to try to figure out um, what's going on. And, you know, I always tell people stress is always um, what we call a diagnosis of exclusion, right? You know, so we don't right. automatically look at someone and say, this is stress. Certainly stress can make many conditions worse. Stress can trigger some issues, um, but that's never or shouldn't be the first diagnosis, right? We should do our diligence and make sure that we're doing the appropriate tests. And then, you know, if everything else, um, right. you know, uh, you know, doesn't pop up, then, you know, kind of go from there. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey, Damien. Oh, essentially my, uh, my gate was off. So I went to a podiatrist. Um, I, I went, my vision was off. So the um, optometrist was like, well, your eye, essentially your eyes are fine. Your feet are fine. I don't know why you're walking funny, but you're clearly walking funny. Mm -hmm. And one day my wife and I are, went to go on a walk and progressively shorter walks because, like I say, I have less energy. Um, and I could, make, I could barely make it halfway down the block. And when I, uh, we, came, we returned home, I went to take off my shoes. And, you know, I went to sit down and take off my shoes and I fell. And so I'm looking at the ceiling and Angela's like, well... We're going to emergency care and we're not leaving until we know what's wrong with you. So I had already been through three different doctors who were like, mm -hmm. and because the man couldn't sit down and take off his shoe, the lady was like, nah. And um, sitting in front of that doctor, that doctor was like, I don't, you're clearly healthy, but you're, you're clearly fine, but you're clearly not fine. Get an MRI. And right. the MRI is the thing that confirmed it. So right, yeah. right. You know, and so you know that's why I think MS awareness is so important because, unfortunately, there are still people who it's taking a while to get diagnosed. One of the difficulties with MS is that the symptoms are very similar to other conditions, right? So if somebody's arm is numb, that can happen from a pinched nerve. You know, if somebody's vision is a little off, that can happen from other things. And so someone has to have that suspicion to go looking for it for you to get diagnosed. And so um, one of the reasons that, you know, like I said, MS Awareness Month and MS Awareness Week is important is because we need to educate the community, not just the medical community, 
community because I think that neurologists are um, overall becoming more aware of MS. I think one of the 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 next things that needs to be done is to make sure that we're aware of who gets MS uh, because many of us have been given kind of a picture of who gets MS when we were in training. Um, and it is not people that look like you, <laughs> although many people that look like you um, do have MS. And so the next step is kind of raising awareness that people from all different backgrounds get MS. But even with that, I think it's also important to educate the community. You know, I think one of the things that was really, um, that really stands out to me about both of you is that you were advocating for yourselves. And Damien, you had your wife, but you know, you guys were like, okay, something is wrong. We're not just going to be like, yeah. nothing's going on here. And so, right. you know, we need to make people in the <clears throat> community aware that if your leg goes numb or your arm goes numb, that is not normal. Um, don't just sit at home and wait till it goes away and not get it checked out. You know, these are symptoms that could be a warning that at least need to be investigated. What do you guys, um, or what has your experience been talking with your peers and other people um, that you know who've been diagnosed in the MS community? I'm going to just jump on you here. Hold on, hold on. If it goes, go ahead, if you have it, do it. When it go away, and then you have it again. Get thee right. to a neurologist. <laughs> get thee. Right. Get thee to a neurologist. Uh, it's one right. of these things where you've been in your body your whole life. You know what your body does. If your body doesn't do what it always does, perhaps there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Get that checked out. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Right, yep. absolutely. Because I get yeah. young people like in their 20s talking about, oh, my memory's kind of bad. I thought I was getting old. I'm like, you're 20. Like, Girl. no, this <laughs> is this dude. is not normal. <laughs> this is not normal. Yeah. Let's not blow this off, okay? Right, Let's right. take a little closer look, you know. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things is that we tend to say, this is stress and just blow everything off, you know. But it's yeah. important, you know, as you said, Damien, to listen to your body. And if it's not doing what it's supposed to do, at least go get it checked out. What do you have to right. say? Um or add to that as well. I, I, I think the same because the, you know, the, like the, the physician that, that ER physician said that, um, and I think I, I've mentioned this to you before, doc, he said that they call MS when he was in school, the great masquerader, because mm. it looks and presents like so many different things. I can't tell you how many times I got tested for HIV. They, they would get through a whole gamut and then they were like, so HIV. And I'm like, I don't have it. So uh, but it, I don't, I didn't, I didn't hear where the, where the, the onesie and the, all right, well, sure. Yeah. I can take another test. Like it's, it was so dismissive right. and hellacious. And on mm -hmm. top of that, you physically, exactly like Damien said, he was like, I went to take off my shoe and then I just fell out. MS is that thing that I often describe as like, oh, I was walking and then I wasn't like, that's it. There's no, there's no music. There's nothing cool. Like something awesome doesn't happen. Like you're okay. And then you're instantly not all right. So, right. and then somebody sees you the next day and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, that's good. You look, you look pretty good. So, so you, you, so you drank the smoothie and I'm like, I can't talk to you anymore because right. most of me wants to sock you in the throat, which I don't even think I can <laughs> physically do because I sock you. can't seem to control my hands. So like it's, it was, it was just, it's, it's everything you said that the people that have it don't look anything like us. And the only thing that I know for certain is that what made it more scary to have the diagnosis was, well, it's two parts. I was, I was ecstatic that I finally had a name for it. That made me feel like, thank God. And then as you do, as any person does, you leave whatever, and you get on your phone or you get to the computer and you're like, okay, well, let me see what this thing is. And when you go to Google it, I'm just like, um, okay. And so then it, it felt like another, for me, it felt like another smack or slap in the face to then have one more thing that I couldn't quite explain to the general public. It is hard enough to be a minority in this country to then get the disease that we're also not represented in was infuriating and still yeah. is. But I, I know today, I know today that we have we have come so far because mm -hmm. of you, because of Damien and and people like myself were just candidly putting it out there to say, yeah. hey, it's all like we're here. It's it's fine. Like yes, it's awful and it's terrible, but but there are people that look just like you that have this too. So that mm -hmm. that has been my ultimate like my ultimate trade-off for having mm -hmm. the disease in the first place. But the fact that people like Damien and myself 
are shouldering it and handling this and talking about it, then mm-hmm. make sure that people that look like us 10 years back don't have to do all the Houdini bullshit. Sorry, mm-hmm. nonsense. Sorry about that. My bad. If they're kids. Come on now. Please. Sorry about it. So like, I just think like that, that's really important. If, if we can't do anything about where we are, you know, other than continue to advocate for ourselves, but we can help. We can help the diagnosis. We can help point out some of the basics that both of you have already mentioned to just say that's that's abnormal. Like it is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so many, so many nuggets in what both of you said. I'm just looking um, at some of the comments that some of our viewers are putting in the chat. And, you know, someone said they're in Japan. Um, So I don't know that I've ever had anybody from Japan. Uh, But someone uh, from Japan said that the doctors don't know that much about MS. Someone else said that they were diagnosed with migraines, but they never had a headache. Um, Someone else, um, you know, said that they had had other symptoms and were diagnosed with a different autoimmune disease. So again, you know, it can very commonly present, present meaning the symptoms can start um, looking like other conditions. But, you know, I love the part that you said, Azor, about making things better for the people that follow behind, right? Whether yeah. it is yeah. the patient community for me, it's the neurology community for my peers, making sure that people that are now coming out of training yes. don't um, have those same misconceptions that I had, you know, yeah. when I first came out of training. And so um, when you were diagnosed or when you guys were diagnosed, had you ever heard of MS? Did you know anybody with MS? Like, what did you think? Were you like, what is that? Like, I mean, what were your first thoughts? Like, did you know anything about the condition or had you ever heard of it? Go ahead, Damien, go ahead. Look, I feel, I feel the space, okay? Um, uh, but I will always uh, d- d- delegate uh, to, to other people in the space. Um, essentially, when I understood that this is the thing that I was facing, I was like, ugh, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to deal with that. Like, don't Montel Williams got that? Mm. Well, I st- and like Richard Pryor, those are like the only two people who came to mind. I was like, well, it didn't end ri- well for Richard. Um, and, you know, Montel, he's all right. So I'll, I'll be all right. But yeah, no, I did not. You don't, like you say, um, our population and this condition don't necessarily go together top of mind. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that can sort of even keep you from understanding and finding out and um, doing some more digging on uh, what you can do to, to improve your wellness. Because no matter what your condition is, the power is in your hands. Yeah, uh, because this condition in you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. having that, um, I didn't really have more people to see it, but once I knew it was mine, let's go. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Azur? The similar. I was like, well, Montel has a talk show. That's good. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I'll just watch his show. Because again, to date, mm. to give you reference, there was no content. Mm. Um then I found out Ozzy Osbourne's son, Jack Osbourne, also got diagnosed. And I was like, he's very rich and British. <laughs> and so uh, when I was sitting literally at my mom's house, we had maybe gotten to, to one doctor and two county hospitals. And I was so discouraged, like going home every time because nothing was working. L- literally, I think somebody gave me like a high dose of ibuprofen. I got talked to about like, what I should stop eating. I'm like, this is not that. So I'm scouring Internet Explorer, um, Netscape Navigator, anything that I can find. Google Chrome was in someone's preschool mind. Like that yeah. wasn't a thing. Instagram it was not a thing. not yet gone to the garage. Gmail had just started inviting people to do a Gmail trial. So there was zero information. But the information I found was like either you're going to be fine or all the death is coming because people with MS commit suicide. And I was like, excellent. <laughs> this is fantastic. So I was, you know, I, I, and then it was, I met, I read a medical journal, which I cannot find. I do not know where it was. I've thought about it a little bit, but I, I also know better than to set myself up for failure. And it was one doctor overseas that was talking about the MS hug being the, being the, uh, the one, the one thing 
that wasn't like all the others, wasn't Lyme disease, wasn't Epstein-Barr. And I was like, okay. So then I start reading about the MS hug and I kept reading and he starts talking about proximal vertigo. And Mm -hmm. then I'm reading about that and I'm like, oh yeah, the sensation, that's the thing. And he was talking about a holistic, a holistic balance between managing the water crystals in your ear. And that helps stop like when you can get these levels, it was a whole diagram. You would have loved to doc with all the drawings. And he was talking about getting your water level. You have to drink 60 to 70% of your 60 to 70% of your body weight in ounces a day in water to make sure that your body is always operating at the top hydration, which then could subdue all of the proximal vertigo issues. And, and more than the walking the ability to not be able to turn right or left up or down was, was destroying me. Like I could mm-hmm. not, I could only look straight ahead or close my eyes. Like that was it. And I was like, Oh, well, this isn't, this isn't going, this isn't going to work out. Um, I am not feeble and this is terrible. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like it was that there was that. And I met one person, um, this guy I used to coach poetry with, I, I didn't coach with him on the same team. I coached a slam team out of LA for that show, Brave New Voices on HBO. And he mm-hmm. was the coach of the other team and his wife had MS and mm-hmm. God bless them both. He was like, come to lunch with us. And his wife was in a full massive wheelchair where it had all the mobility. And I was like, Bruh. okay, okay. Right. You know, right. and I was like, oh, this is not, you know, cause I was, I wasn't even 26 or something. I was like, are you serious? Like, I was like, so mm-hmm. this, and then exactly what Damien said, you were like Montel Williams and Richard Pryor. And I was like, well, he's not with us. So, and right. so this isn't right. good. Right. Yeah. So it's was, important to have, experience. yeah. So, so, you know, again, it's important to have, you know, you have these visuals in your mind, right. And we often liken that to what our potential outcomes may be. So the more limited those visions or examples we have, the more limited we think our potential outcomes can be. You know, and so the truth of the matter is some people do wind up in wheelchairs from MS, but usually not the majority, right? So the if you think about the statistic, roughly about 25% of people at some point at the end of their MS, you know, when they have severe MS may need to be, you know, in a wheelchair, but that leaves a a vast majority of folks who are not. Now, some of them may need some assistance to walk, um, but everyone is not in a wheelchair. And so it's very important when people first get diagnosed to have access to good information. Um, You know, I tell people all the time, listen, don't go Google an exhaustive list of symptoms of MS because it'll scare you to death, right? So let's take a step back. I've never Never had anybody with every single symptom on the list, you know, Um, but it's important to have access to good information and to have access to a solid healthcare team to really help you navigate that process, which is very, very scary when you first get diagnosed. So let's talk about kind of finding your tribe within the MS community. So one of the things that I, you know, really admire about both of you guys is that you're very open about sharing your experience with MS. I still have many patients who are very frightened to tell people. There's a lot of stigma. Um, They don't want to share. And of course, it is everyone's um, right to not want to share their personal business. So I am not an advocate that everybody has to go around and put a sign on their head that says, I have MS. But for those who do want to share, but maybe don't know how or a little bit apprehensive about what others will think, what spurred both of you to begin to share your story with other people? Um, Because you both have been really expiring um, to many people in the MS uh, community. And to me, and to me, you both inspire me. Were you in MS community? (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Thank you. Damien, you go ahead. It's you. Um, You have it. Man, I done forgot the question already. See, I have MS. Hey, hey. That's see? okay. You had an MS I'm moment. I'm that dead. is okay. That's what we away. call it. I can't. You had a moment. Gonna, you had a moment. Yeah. yeah. So the start. question is, what spurred you to start uh, sharing your right. story, you know, to inspire other people? That's the thing. I I booked my first commercial when I was 15. Okay. I'm 40. I've done 37 commercials and voiceovers in the past eight years. Okay. Um, I hit marks and say lines for a living. And as 
I'm just trying to find my way up. Um, another part of me is I'm also a gigantic nerd. I built my first computer at 15. Like 15 was a big year. Same. For me. I, was, I, was I know, man. So there's Same. No, like, well, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But, that's the um, landmark, 15. That's, okay, that's so what I know for my kids. If Boy, you a man by 15, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's true. Um, so the digi- the vast digital knowledge that res- resides in here, plus the, I, mean, I wouldn't call it vast, but it's it's pretty big. It's large. Um, performing, um, conveying emotion. Frankly, being myself and the author's given circumstances. Um, what I, it's what I do. So those two things were coming together um, because I was, I, I'm also sort of incredibly disciplined. That's what goes along with the performing. Um, and I had gotten in my head that I'm going to make a hundred videos and put them on YouTube because that will help my career. And of course, nobody watched, not even a hundred videos, a hundred videos, one video every week. And up until like video 30, some odd thing, nobody watched. Of course, nobody watched um, because that's how it goes. But that's that's like almost half a year (laughs) of putting videos into the ether. Um, But the result was not something that the performers concerned with. They're they're concerned with the work. Anyway, um, as I'm doing the work, the only videos that people watched were the ones where I was talking about MS. Hmm. So I was like, well, I got to give the people what they want and started exclusively making videos about MS. And apparently my voice speaking about these matters and my perspective and my eye, my nerd eye is useful and helpful and um, helps people um, understand what's happening within themselves. I love it, I love it. What about you, Azura? I mean, I am, and I've, I've said this to you before too, Doc, I'm very new to um, representing and being very open and public about having MS. And that has taken me a very, very long time to get here for, for a host of different reasons. But one of the things that felt like it throttled me after my actual diagnosis was how expensive it was going to be to live a life with this thing. And I was already in the space where I had to mortgage whether or not I was going to pay rent or get new headshots, whether or not I was going to get a Z card or pay my phone bill, you know? So then when they're like, Oh, go get an MRI, even whether it was 2012 or 2011, it was still hundreds of dollars. And I thought to myself, like, well, this is actually not something I can afford to even remotely do. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to act like it's not happening. And I did that for Mm -hmm. a really long time. And, um, there was that, there was the shame of that and the frustration of it. And then having what I, I literally like to call very candidly, not one of the cool kids diseases. Mm-hmm. Like people mm-hmm. didn't even know what you were saying. Like half the time people thought if I wrote down MS, I was saying I was single. Like I, it, it, that is, that is the level of mm-hmm. like atrocity around the lack of agency for it. And I think that when you, when you inherit, when you are, given handed branded whatever it is it's 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 hard enough to get people past their own bias around what a disability is and then when they you know someone of incredible a plus star power comes down with it then when you whenever you hear people talking about it it's all very sullen and it's very heavy damien was one of the first videos i had found online watching someone talk about the disease and they weren't like crying and falling out. And not only that, what I enjoyed about it was that he looked solid. And so while MS is not considered a full invisible disability, there are so many moments of the disease that you can't see. And it is up to you, the person housing this monster to figure out how you're going to vacillate in the world and Mm. being a minority being a woman in business, being a woman in the in the entertainment industry, I'm already walking in the door with all of the things that they think I cannot do. So the last thing I'm going to do in my mind was put on a label that like, yeah, I have this thing that a lot of people don't really even know about. And sometimes I stutter and sometimes I throw things across the room and sometimes I can't walk and sometimes I can't talk. And, you know, but but we'll talk about it later. There was no affinity month. There was no ice bucket challenge. There was there was no Susan G. Coleman. There was nothing. 
and right. the agency around being, whether it's an advocate for yourself or being a healthcare partner, we are all broken apart. Nothing is congealing and connecting us all together. So you've been here this whole time. Damien's been here this whole time. And it's taken me too long to find the community. And so mm. one thing I know is that finally becoming a patient leader and a thought advocate around advocating for yourself, living well with MS, being in front of it, saying, this is me, this is MS, this may look entirely different tomorrow, is, is I've been so inspired to see just how long people like Damien, people like yourself have been championing and fighting for this thing because up until almost a year and a half, maybe two years ago at the longest, I was like, oh, I'm not, I have zero desire to discuss the thing that I can't control. Uh, mm. So what I'm going to do is just be over here and try to figure it out with some Dr. Quinn medicine woman stuff that I know isn't going to work, or I'll have some more turmeric because people love to recommend that. They also love to recommend water. And then people like to ask me uh, if I've taken a nap. Um, and I, and I, I have had the water. I have had the turmeric and I have also gone to sleep. And what I would like to tell the masses is that <clears throat> I still have it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, so, so much in what both of you said. And I think that exactly what you said um, about having difficulty finding the community um, and not knowing where to go for information um, and not understanding, you know, at least early on, are all of the reasons why I um, have become so outspoken about educating people about MS. I think that it's very important. Um, it is not as common as breast cancer, um, but it's not any less important um, than yes. other conditions. Um, and I think one of the things that I saw in my practice, and I've been practicing for about 15 years now, is that people would come in and my first question to anyone that I meet, you know, brand new as a patient is, tell me what MS is, you know, whether they've been diagnosed for a year or whether they've been diagnosed for 20 years. And what I found was that a lot of people couldn't tell me. People would mm -hmm. had it for years, you know, and I'm not expecting anybody to like break down, you know, the myelin and tell me about Schwann cells and all that kind of stuff. Just like a simple, just simple, what does it mean? You know, mm -hmm. what does it mean to have this condition? What do you understand about it? And so many people, unfortunately, you know, didn't really understand. And so I really saw this need to educate so that people would be empowered because you can't advocate for yourself if you don't understand what you're dealing with and you don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. You don't know the questions to ask if you don't really get that to the best of your ability, you know? And so that was one of the reasons why I really began to champion education and kind of going out there and, you know, speaking everywhere. People ask me to speak and support groups and all this other stuff um, so that people could really understand. And I think one of the, the highlights of my career career is when I see someone's eyes light up, like that light bulb goes off and they're like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I've been coming to these yeah. lectures for 10 years. This is the first time yeah. I really understood what someone was saying to me, you know? Yeah. And so for me, yeah. it that's key, right? You've got to mm -hmm. get it, you know? And mm -hmm. so that is what, one of the things that brings me joy is when I see that light bulb go up and they're like, oh my God, I got it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so that you can begin to advocate for yourself. So when we think about, you know, kind of the community, when we think about, um, you know, kind of sharing your story, um, Damien, you you shared kind of what that light bulb was for you. It became more of a, well, this is what people are interested in. This is something that I'm dealing with. Why not bring my two loves, you know, my two big things going on in my life together and, you know, create that content. But for Azure, what was that thing that flipped the switch, right? So a couple of years ago, what flipped the switch to make you say, okay, now I'm going to talk about it? Um, I did. So COVID had just rocked up. COVID had just started to really hang out in the States and everyone was buying the pasta and the toilet paper and, and all the, the toilet and paper. I was like, and the paper towels. Wow, I don't know what happened in American culture that they said that this is a respiratory disorder. And America was like, I better get all of the toilet paper. But Damn. Like, again, it's another, it's another time. I'm just, I mean, I just was Woo! trying to work out like, 
What mm. did they say that then was like, honey, get the rigatoni. I'll get the brawny. <laughs> you know, like I just, I didn't, I don't know what, I don't know what we did, but so lives had just started to really, you know, everybody is quarantined and they're sheltering mm. in place. Right. And I was doing a writing workshop for this author named Jen Pasteloff. She wrote a bestseller called On Being Human. And um, I did, I so my event was, I think a couple weeks out, but she was hosting, she was hosting a series of events where she was inviting people to come and write and, and be in community and together and all of that. So I decided to jump on uh, one evening and I wrote an open letter during the prompt uh, that Liz, I think it was Liz Gilbert gave. And I wrote the, I wrote an open letter to my MS. And uh, I don't remember if I read it then, but I recorded it and put it on my Instagram. And I'm not, I'm not a big, like, Damien, you too. Y'all be in there just doing stuff and adding things and stuff's flying in and out of the screen. Like, I, got, I have to go to bed. Like, I can't get involved. But I recorded this poem and I posted it. And I had this neck thing that just started popping up and my speech started getting caught, which really pissed me off because I'm a public speaker for a living. And I just thought this MS thing, like, we're going to have to have a talk. Like, this is not, this is not a good look. And so I have never gone on stage when that's happening because I don't ever want people to see that. And I, I just, again, I don't want to be put in a space where they, then they think they have to make concessions, but I recorded the poem and my tremors were horrific that day. So the poem went to like, I don't know, 20,000 20, responses or whatever it was. People were coming out all over the place. And um, the, my uh, Jansen, uh, one, of their, one of their executives reached out to me and was like, hey, we're, you know, we want to talk to you about this. And I just was like, whoa, like, mm, like, what do you, how so? Like, what do you mean? Like free baby lotion for a bit? You know, because, you know, yeah, that'd be cool, you know, but they were like, we want to talk to you about being a spokesperson. And I had to really sit back with it because I thought to myself, you know, Azure, for all of the other causes and things that you represent, you get so passionate about education and, and girls being educated. And you're so passionate about young people being empowered to tell their stories and people being empowered to tell their stories. Like, what is it about this that causes you so much shame? Like, why not get in front of it? And um, I said, yes, begrudgingly. And they told me about you. And it was that they were like, she studies this specifically. And I was like, who does what? Hmm. Who is it? What are you saying? So then I went back to the Google. I didn't find Montel found you after after way too many searches. But I was like, <laughs> what it did, the validation of hearing that not only was this disease being looked at, in your field, in the industry, not only were people here ready to get behind it, I thought to myself, what a serendipitous thing to occur that for someone that myself, that's a thought leader on diversity, equity, and inclusion, I've been partnered up with the doctor who said, not only do you have the disease, but it affects Black people differently than it affects everyone else. Because I thought to myself, well, I've seen plenty of Caucasian women with it. I have seen plenty of people I have heard from, from other races and like, how come their bodies aren't trying to literally take them out? Like during the course, like, what is that? And the validation of that, the validation of understanding that it furthermore wasn't just in my mind, that it, that it was the manifestation of something that disproportionately affects us really fueled me to not only get myself behind the understanding that it was time to get back into Western medical care, but that I have to help eradicate the possibility that some other young Black woman that is at, you know, her space and her height of creativity doesn't then just have to throw that whole part of her life away because she gets a mm. diagnosis with no information and no agency. And it was, mm. it was then, that was it. I was terrified. I still am really scared about it all the time, but it's a beautiful thing to be able to sit and speak with both of you, feel completely seen, whether I say it or don't say it, be able to listen and ingest that information for myself and just know that no matter what, Azure, at the end of the day, there's a whole host of people that are purposed to care and know about you so that you can purpose to care and know about someone else. Mm. Whew. 
Yeah, hold on. We need, to, pop, we need this, to pop. We need to pass the offering basket. My gosh, this is what she do. Whole sermon. Um, man, you know, how amazing is that? You know, and I was very fortunate to have a mentor, um, that looked like me that got me into the MS space, you know? So, um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, everyone can make an influence in their circle. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, there are people that need to hear, what you have to say that need to hear about your experience, you know, whether it's good or bad to know that, you know, that a diagnosis is not the end of their life. You know, for many yeah. people, it's the beginning of something new, right. you know, it's the beginning right. of, you know, new talents. Maybe you didn't know yeah. that you had or new talents that you've used yeah. because maybe some other ones, um, you know, I ain't working like they used to, or a combination of different talents. You know, for me, I was never really a big public speaker. I always tell people, um, you know, I, I started my, um, you know, uh, presentations to the audience as a singer. And so when everyone asked me how I can be so engaging as a public speaker, because I used to be a worship leader at church, you know, and church folks are really hard. Um, yeah, they're a tough, tough. crowd. <laughs> they are a really mm-hmm. tough crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and I remember the first time when I first started singing and going out in front of people, sometimes my leg would be shaking so bad I would almost fall down. Um, you know, sometimes you just trying to be like us, huh? You just listen, to be man. Like us. Listen, the leg us. was shaking. Yeah. The leg was shaking. I remember the first time I led worship at church, I sang to the wall. I mean, I didn't even look at the people. I just walked to one wall and then I turned around and walked to the other wall, you know, but all of that, you know, prepared me to do the things that I do and to hopefully have some type of positive impact on people, you know, but you just never know. I would have never thought that doing those things would be preparing um, me for Mm. something like this, you know, to be sitting here speaking with you all, um, giving you, um, you know, uh, time to share your story so that others can be inspired like I've been inspired. So it all works together. You know, sometimes yes, we don't know how it's going to work together, um, but it all it all kind of works together in the end. So last thing before we get ready to close out, um, I want you to give one piece of advice to someone who's newly diagnosed about how to find their sense of community. Like, how do you how do you connect um, so I want each of you to give us one piece of advice, or you can give one and a half, maybe two, but not five. One and a half, maybe two, not five. Damien, not five. Okay. <laughs> that was a lot of instructions. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, as someone who is uh, been carrying MS with her for some time now, I'm very, very new to this space. And, and there are moments where it feels like I've been newly diagnosed my um my advice to you is to really monitor and curate the space that you keep whether that is <clears throat> in person or online but we we have to be prejudicial about the amount of stuff that we are consuming that mm. is in full health that is with yeah. no disability but this disability, this, this one specifically, it, it feeds and grows and gains fervor off of our stress, our feeling of despair, our discouragement. It, it builds momentum. So you will have days that will be fantastic and you will have days that will feel less than passable on those days. Be kind to yourself. Surround mm-hmm. yourself with people who want to listen to what you have to say and don't want to dismiss a disease that they don't understand. You are well within your own mind. You are here. And the one thing that that lifted me up today for anybody that's watching now or will watch later, it was so encouraging to hear a fellow advocate and a fellow patient say, He still memorizes lines. It's one thing that has crippled me in my career is being able to get off book before I go on stage and be, I psych myself out with my own cognition. So knowing that there is somebody else, we're the same age and like he's doing it, that lifts me up too. So we got to find spaces that cheerlead us on. So you get people that make you feel better. And if they don't make you feel better, get new people. 
period. Mm, I love it. I love it. Damien. It's your energy. Protect it. Respect it. Um, give it to uh, things that make you feel better and give it to things that are positive and that are uplifting. So, um, yeah, you can do Dr. Google and fall down that wormhole, but that doesn't feel good. And are you really getting all the information that you think you're supposed to be getting or you're supposed to be getting? Let, let that alone. Do something else with your energy and mm -hmm. figure out your condition. Um, it, swallow it in another way. I always say the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure mm -hmm. you seek. And when I was on bed rest from the spinal tap that did not heal um, to confirm my diagnosis, I was, like I say, I've been on a gajillion, not a gajillion, but a lot of um, uh, productions, yeah? And um, I was terrified to just pick up the phone and talk to the phone. And be, because the only thing I could do for 12 to 14 days was pee or sleep or be in the most horrific pain that I had ever experienced in my entire life, I was like, well, I'm not always gonna be in this bed. What have I been avoiding so much? So, you know, when I get out of this bed, I'm going to do that. So I'm mm. that is the thing of make the video. Oh, you got to get the right camera. Oh, There's so many excuses that you make for yourself yeah. to prevent yeah. you from doing something that you know you should do. And mm. I've made a life out of running chest first into things that I am afraid <laughs> to do and have no problem when I fail. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm only good because I have failed tens of hundreds of thousands of times before mm -hmm. I'm here right now. Same mm -hmm. here. Man, such inspiring words. Um, and tell the people where to find you. Tell the people where to find you. Uh, YouTube.com slash no stress MS. Oh my God, I love it. I'm so stressed about MS. No so stress I, MS. I, I, know, I, like, I love it. It's like when people are like, no worries. I'm like, I have at least 17. Right yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, 99. Okay, that's good. I got All 99. Right, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, hello underscore Azure Antoinette. But if you type in Azure, I'll come up. Um, and and I run I run a storytelling, I have a storytelling platform and I'm all over the place. I, I yeah, so just, yeah. Come hang out wherever. I don't know. Go. It's fine. Yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, if you're looking, I'll probably pop up there. Awesome sauce. Well, I don't think we have time for questions, um, but we've had some amazing folks commenting um, in the chat. Um, someone uh, said that, uh, thank you so much for this. I'm in tears. I needed to hear this. Um, someone else, uh, you know, said they were watching from New York and someone else said they talked to their body and their MS and give it a pep talk all the time. Um, we want to thank our sponsors, Jansen, um, and please subscribe to the podcast. It's on, uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, all the places where podcasts are found, you can um, subscribe to Brain Chat with the Nerdy Neurologist. So thank you to our amazing guests for this wonderful conversation. Thank you all so much for your time. Um, you really have been a blessing and inspiration to me, and I know so many people um, who will be able to um, hear your words and um, watch this uh, live and listen to this podcast. So good night, everyone. See you in night, two weeks. Night, same bat time, same bat channel. All right. We'll see y'all. We'll see you later. Be